0: Automate, scale, and transform your day-to-day processes. You can build and test automation with five attended, five unattended, five test robots, plus access to all automation cloud services. Try UiPath free at account.uipath.com. It's available for individual use and small businesses. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology, I am your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my colleague and collaborator, Cassidy Williams. Hey, Cassidy. Hello. Today, we are going to talk about automated justice. We're going to talk about robot lawyers. We're going to talk about a company that often puts a smile on people's faces, do not pay, and chat with its founder and CEO, Joshua Browder. It's a great story because it's about taking technology and using it to help people with some of the things in life that seem... The farthest removed from the future, like getting a parking ticket, it just never seems to change. <laughs> always a terrible. One of those experience.
1: constants in life.
0: One of those constants in life. Death and taxes and parking tickets. So yeah, without further ado, Josh, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So the first thing we always do on the Stack Overflow podcast, just to help people get situated, tell them a little bit about, yeah, what was your introduction to software programming and you know, how did you find yourself at school working on this idea, which later became a startup.
2: I've loved software development because one person can create whatever they want. In other industries, you have to ask for someone's permission, maybe work there for 20 years to build anything meaningful. (laughs) But with software, you can decide to have an idea one day and work on it for a few weeks and launch it to the world. And that's exactly my story with Do Not Pay. I moved from England to study at Stanford in California and I'm not a very good driver, but I will use the excuse that everyone drives on the other side of the road. And so I got all these really expensive parking tickets. I probably got about 30 parking tickets between the ages of 18 and 20. And I'd always been fascinated by the law and I was a broke college student. And so I thought, I can't afford to pay $50 here, $100 there. How can I get out of my tickets? And I had some success with my own sort of fines. And I got this reputation among all my friends that I was the guy who can get people out of tickets. But as a software engineer for about seven years at that point, I thought, instead of writing the same letter over and over again, why don't I automate it for my friends? And I really just expected it as a sort of fun side project, uh, do not pay. But one of my friends was a blogger at the Huffington Post. And so she wrote about it. (laughs) And usually her blog posts get like 400 views but this one went internationally viral. And I went from 100 users on week one to like 50,000 users on week two. And that's what made me realize that the idea of David versus Goliath as software is bigger than just tickets. And so I spent the past six years building out Do Not Pay to be justice as a service for the little guy and for consumers.
1: That's amazing.
2: I think so too, but I'm biased.
0: (laughs) So at that start, when you were at Stanford, what were the technologies you were using at the time to try to automate it? You know that was you were still a student at the time. How did you hack it together? And then maybe tell us a little bit about yeah, like how it's evolved since then in terms of the tech stack.
2: Yeah, so I was super swamped with my classes, and so from a tech stack perspective, I was like, what are the least number of technologies I can use to build this? And of course, I chose PHP because you can kind of insert the front end and the back end in the same file. I don't know if that, <laughs> that's like appropriate to do, but that's what I did and. The way I automated it was we just inserted the variables as post requests into the documents. That's what got me going. Over time, it's become a lot more sophisticated and we're actually using AI and GPT-3 and all of these advanced technologies. But initially, it was just about getting the right letter to the right person to get them out of their ticket.
0: So at the beginning, yeah, the sort of tree of choices was smaller, but now you've expanded. How many different sort of like automated services do you offer now? Like, can you give us a sense of the range of you know, legal services and geographies and things that people can avail themselves of?
2: Yes. So today we offer 250 services in every state in the United States. Things like fighting your landlord, getting a refund from United Airlines, canceling free trials, suing crypto companies when they hold (laughs) deposits. Any dispute below $10,000 we've either done or we're looking at right now. Because if these big corporations they have a very certain business strategy of concentrated benefit and diffuse harm and so what i mean by that is comcast know that they can charge 50 million people a $10 late fee and that's potentially 500 million of revenue but those people getting charged $10 aren't going to fight for that $10 because it costs more money and time to do so. And that's the job for software because there's no variable cost to running a software script. And Mm. so that's the thing we're trying to stop.
1: How many people are on your team working on this?
2: So it's only 15 people. Over 2.5 million people use DoNotPay.com every month, but it's served by such a small team. And that's, again, the beauty of software.
0: And on that team, do you have developers as well as lawyers in-house counsel? Or like how do you meld those two things together?
2: We have an extensive outside counsel. We haven't managed to replace the lawyers who are helping us. So <laughs> we have several outside counsel, but the core team is just engineers and designers, mainly just from the Stanford community. People who stay up until 2 a.m. browsing Reddit, looking for the best consumer hacks that we do in our own lives, and we try and automate it.
1: I love hearing how excited you are about the problem that you're solving. It's, I feel like, the key to any good software business.
2: I I think so. What excites me the most is that there are so many of these things that save me money in my life. So what I used to do is I would go to Walmart and buy prepaid gift cards. And so whenever there's a subscription-free trial, of course people sign up and they forget to cancel. And so I would use my Walmart gift cards. And we thought, (laughs) that's a great product. Why don't we create the free trial, do not pay credit card? And it's this credit card that consumers can use that's not even tied to them. And then the software automatically cuts off the real subscription so people don't have to worry. And it's just automating those things in my own life that get me really excited.
0: So have people that you've been battling or fighting for from the consumer's perspective ever come back at you? Like have any of these companies tried to undo what you've done or take you to court?
2: Certainly, there was one case where do not pay itself was sued for 50 million about a year ago, and we, we were actually sued for something because when people signed up for our service, we'd send them like text message notifications and they came up with this theory that that was illegal and we actually we won that case. we didn't even settle it. we just won outright. And we actually use some of our own software to, to defend ourselves. I'm not going <laughs> to say we can take all the credit. Uh, we, we did hire some great lawyers as well, but um, we were really focused on it as well.
0: And so you mentioned, yeah, that, you know, it started out with just PHP, but now you've uh, dipped into some AI technologies and things like GPT-3, which some of our listeners may be familiar with. How are you leveraging, yeah, modern ML AI techniques and, and what benefit or boost can that give to your services?
2: So on the surface, the law should be very objective and should be there should be no need for GPT-3 because it should be very clear uh, what's right. right and what's wrong. But the problem is that people talk in their own words like we're talking now, and that's not really the correct legal way to say it. And so the way we're using GPT-3 is a consumer can come to us and say the problem in their own words and then that we translate that into the correct legal document, which we can our bots can collect the details and go down the decision tree. So the GPT-3 is about finding the right decision tree. And so maybe you need to file IRS form 8875 versus a different IRS form. And the consumer saying what they need and being matched to that is where the AI comes in.
1: I feel like just filling out forms in general, governmental forms is such a pain to do and so anything that can help you get those kinds of things filled out whether they're for fines or any sort of legal changes or or anything is so so helpful because those forms can be such a dragon full of very legal jargon that people just don't have a lot of education on uh, the average person doesn't
2: right i really agree with that like the technologists promised us flying cars in the next few years (laughs) but even having software automatically fill out a PDF, it's an absolute nightmare. Humans find it hard, but also software finds it hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe PDFs are the problem.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So what
0: do you do? Like uh, GPT-3, right? I could train it on a million role-playing games. It'll help me do Dungeons & Dragons. I could train it on poetry, and then it'll write poetry in a certain style. So you train it on legal documents, and then it can convert human speak into legalese. Is that how it works?
2: Yeah, so for a concrete example, say you're in San Francisco and your landlord is not repairing a leaky tap, which is a very common issue, the consumer can say, like, my tap is leaking, and then the GPT-3 can match it to the special landlord demand for repairs form under California civil codes. And Mm. then the bots just go down the standard decision tree, filling out the PDF, which is still a huge challenge, and then submit it automatically.
1: Are you focusing specifically on the U.S. right now, or are you hoping to expand into other other governments, other countries?
2: I think Do Not Pay will work anywhere that there's rule of law. So U.K., my home country, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. But the U.S. is such a broken country that we've made the strategic decision <laughs> <position>, uh, <laughs> to focus here. It really is broken. So to cancel a gym membership, you have to submit a signed letter to Planet Fitness by uh, registered mail. And the fact that consumers still have to do that in 2022 shows that we've got our work cut out for us.
0: I love the sentiment. Can't say I disagree. And (laughs) if you can build a business by fixing it, that's an opportunity. So let's talk a little bit about that. How does it work from a a business perspective? You have subscription or one-off or you take a part of the winnings from a court case or how does it work?
2: Yeah, so it's a subscription. It's like insurance against getting ripped off. So it costs between 3 and $12 a month, depending on how intense a litigious consumer you are. And <laughs> you get all you can eat access to all of our services. And consumers save between five and 10 times the annual subscription price every year. And even things like saving time, like cancelling subscriptions, and we also save, save money. Like some consumers, they have a full-time job suing robocallers using Do Not Pay. So wait,
0: You have created a sort of subclass of people who are making money suing. Can you tell me about this? Because obviously, like everyone else, I hate the robocaller. So how does it work?
2: So there's a federal law It's called the uh, Telephone Consumer Protection Act, passed in 1990. And what it says is that if you get an unauthorized robocall, you can sue the robocaller for $1,500. And of course, consumers don't have the time or energy to, to do that. And so the robocalls over the past few years have increased a lot. There are no consequences. So Do Not Pay has created this product called Robo Revenge. And the way it works is (laughs) the the biggest problem to suing these robocallers is you don't know who they are. They have all these shady dial tones and they don't tell you who they are. So we've created a trap. And what the trap is, is using software, all these robocallers are trying to sell you something like a cruise or something like that. And so you can say on the phone, I would love to buy your cruise here's my credit card number. But instead of giving your real credit card number, you give this special do not pay credit card number. And when they run the payment, which is declined, we get their name, business address, and phone number through the payment network, which is all the details that do not pay users to automatically sue them in small claims court (laughs) for $1,500. And there are people who look forward to picking up the phone these days. Uh, We have one user who bought a new roof for his house with all of Yeah, the, uh, I'm proceeds. thinking
1: about so many payments I could make <laughs> with all of the spam calls I get in a day. Hmm. Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, there is one catch, which is a lot of them are international and not subject to this, but the U.S. ones, you can right. take them out. Right. Wow. Amazing.
0: What's been your favorite, yeah, sort of like mousetrap to build? It sounds like you and the, this group of sort of like-minded folks from the Stanford community, just 15 engineers at the company. The one you just mentioned is obviously amazing, but are there other favorite sort of solutions or problems you had to hack through that you're particularly proud
2: of? One product we're working on at the moment is, uh, I don't think it will be that big, but it's very cool. It's called the free land product. And the way it works is a lot of county and city governments in remote parts of the country give people free land. You just have to fill out the form, even today. And so we're automating that process. and I'm excited about that because giving people ownership is really exciting. It's like all the Web3 ownership discussion, but actually giving people real land
0: for free. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Decentraland, but actually you can go still there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of amazing. I mean, like, you know, the thing that you're talking about is that sort of Kafka esque bureaucracy that like people just don't want to get entangled with because they know going to small claims court and having all the right forms and spending the time waiting there, you know, probably won't work out for them. So you're like investigating all the little nooks and crannies where the, there may be opportunities in the legal system. But I guess, you know, you mentioned America is broken. Do you have a, a bigger vision for like fixing our politics or laws? Or do you think this is where the fight should happen at the, at the level of these smaller
2: battles? The systems are in place for consumers to fight back. It's really positive. Every state is coming up with new pro-consumer laws. Mm. One of the most recent laws that I'm excited about is the federal government has said that all hospitals have to publish their prices. And that is huge. Yeah, it's it's really big. And so we're thinking about like price comparison tools for hospitals. So the politicians are actually on the consumer side in general. Mm. It's just people don't know how to take advantage of their rights. And my life philosophy is The squeaky wheel gets the grease, and if you're sending United Legal Department a like a five page letter, they're going to refund you quickly. It's Mm. just about forcing them to do it.
1: I want to use this. The robocallers one got me very excited, but the hospital thing. I think that that's such a significant law and and something that I, I feel like more people need to be aware of those laws because. They just, especially in the U.S., they can get away with so much charging out the wazoo where someone I knew, they, they got an ACE bandage or something when they went to the hospital. And it was something like $400 for an ACE bandage. <laughs> yeah. You don't know to ask for it and unless you realize, wait, I can just ask for an itemized bill and, and contest it. And so things like this, like you say, squeaky wheel gets the grease. I feel like more people need to do it. And any service that helps with that is huge.
2: Yeah. I thought about it more. And I think one other reason America is so broken is there is a lot of lobbying. So my biggest worry with Do Not Pay is we we never want to perpetuate the problem that we're solving like some of these other companies. Right, right. right.
0: Josh, before we go, you mentioned GPT-3, but are there particular things you're looking forward to in the future? I know, as you mentioned, and I, I saw you on Bloomberg, you've recently gotten into helping people try to reclaim money from some of the crypto lenders that shut down. But when you look out to the next year or two, what are you excited about in terms of new technologies more, you know, hiring and expanding or new areas of the law that you might take on?
2: So COVID has accelerated the legal system by 10 years because in the past, the gut justice system created this bottleneck where people had to show up mm. for everything, even to appeal a parking ticket in some places. But COVID gave the government an excuse to accept online filings. And so the things that do not pay can do has accelerated drastically. And we're falling behind on all of the things that we're working on that's possible to do. And that's assisted by some technologies like GPT-3, but also just us doing the work and automating these use cases. One final product that I'm really excited about that we're working on in the next two weeks is an anti-racism product. And the way it works is in all of these homeowners' deeds and homeowners' associations especially if it's an older home in places like California, there are these racist restrictions in the deeds themselves. And in 1958, there was a Supreme Court case that said all of these racist provisions aren't valid, but that doesn't mean the deeds were changed. And so there's a lot of this institutional racism still in our society, and we figured out a way to automate uh, its removal. So we're, we're thinking of this new promise for our subscribers, for every subscriber we'll get we're going to clear 20 racist deeds in California. So we're working on that at the moment.
1: That's so cool.
0: All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. We're going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, someone who came on Stack Overflow and helped a question with a score of negative three or less, go on to receive a positive score of three or more and their answer got a score of 20 or more. Thank you to EM Creations, the PH p header function is not redirecting. Oh, a little PHP back in the show after our talk Ah. of it earlier. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review. And if you like PHP, which is coming twice, we just published a video on YouTube with Andy Gutmans uh, who helped to create PHP 3 and sort of the modern version that went on to build the web. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel.
1: I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm Head of Developer Experience and Education at Remote. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things.
2: I'm Joshua Browder. I'm the founder and CEO of DonotPay.com. You can find me on Twitter at jbrowder1 or at DonotPay.com.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. We really appreciate it. And everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.